Welcome to Let's Clear the Air, a podcast sponsored by the Allergy, Asthma, and Sinus Center, dedicated to educating listeners about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Clear the Air. I'm your host, Kaylee Francis, today with our Dr. Jane Conley. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. We have had you on the show, and we had so much fun talking all about bee venom, but today we're kind of changing the topics over into food allergy, something that you see every single day. Yes, yes. And it is October, which also means it is Teal Pumpkin Awareness Month. Um, Let's start from there, if you don't mind, just to kind of go into what is the Teal Pumpkin and what, when people see that Teal Pumpkin, what does that mean? Well, the Teal Pumpkin actually originated here in Knoxville, um, a mom who had food allergic kids. And it just means that the person displaying the Teal Pumpkin on their porch has a separate basket for food allergic kids that has non-food items. So it might have little spider rings or googly eyes, um, glow sticks, something like that, that those kids can come and get and not have to worry that they're gonna get a hold of a food allergen that might harm them. Oh, that's great. So it's like an alternative from actually candy. Yeah, it's in a separate bowl. And they can just come and and get their treat just like all the other kids. Yeah. Well, let's go also into what is a food allergy? Because some people that don't deal with this every day, they're not aware of what this is and what people live with on a constant basis. So the classic symptoms of a food allergy that might make us need to test someone would be that they eat something and suddenly they're feeling itchy, maybe they're having hives, swelling, um, in more extreme cases, trouble breathing, throat closing. They can have GI symptoms with that, can get dizzy or woozy, and it generally happens fairly quickly after eating the food within a few minutes to an hour. And obviously some of those reactions can be dangerous, so those people should come and see an allergist and get evaluated. And what are those first steps into looking into a food allergy patient? How do you treat a food allergy patient? So we take a really good history, um, figure out what food it was, how much did they eat, what were the symptoms, how long did it take to appear, and then we will test them either with skin testing or blood testing. And then if they do show up positive, unfortunately the only treatment we have for food allergy at the present time is avoidance. So someday we may be able to treat food allergies like we treat pollen allergies, but we really aren't there yet. There's a lot of research into that, a lot of interest in it. Absolutely. But right now we can't make food allergies go away, but we certainly are going to make sure the patient knows what they're allergic to as best we can and have a really good emergency plan for them. Great. And what are the most common food allergies? So we call those the big six. So it's milk, eggs, soy, wheat, fish and shellfish, and then the nuts. So the peanut and the tree nut all in that nut group. Okay. And this can affect all ages, correct? It can. Um, Some are more common in the younger ages, 
and tend to be outgrown like milk and eggs for example whereas the shellfish and the nuts especially the tree nuts might tend to affect older people more uh, but certainly there's a lot of peanut allergy in childhood so yes definitely is spread throughout the age groups and what is the difference between a true food allergy and a food intolerance so our tests show that the allergy which means the body has been sensitized in a very specific way that can cause the allergy cells to open up and create an allergic reaction and that's what our tests show and those are generally going to look for the dangerous type of food allergies which of course we want to identify and make sure the patient has an EpiPen etc but intolerance means that the patient doesn't test positive but for whatever reason doesn't do well with the food so it may not be life-threatening they may not need an EpiPen but they still may need to avoid for their comfort. Okay, and what kind of symptoms would they be having? So they're more likely to have GI symptoms, maybe they have reflux, that type of thing. They, they feel like they just don't digest that food well. Great, and so that's where the avoidance comes from, just to stay away from the food. If it doesn't make you feel good, just don't eat it. Yes, for the most part, that's all we've got right now. Okay, I know there's so many, you talked about the big six, and I know that there's also allergens, food allergies, that are maybe not as common, and that's one that we have been seeing, and it's called alpha-gal. Yes, so alpha-gal is an interesting story because it affects the patients, um, in the United States at least, in our area, Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia, somewhat into Arkansas and Oklahoma. And it is an allergy to mammalian meat. So beef, lamb, pork, and venison would be the most common things that are eaten around here. Okay. Um, and it is interesting because it's a delayed allergy. So usually takes three to eight hours for the symptoms to appear. Mm. It can be a lot of the same symptoms that we just discussed for a traditional food allergy. But, um, it appears that it is triggered by a tick bite. Ooh. And so it's called the Lone Star Tick. It's a black tick and it's got a little white dot on its back. It's quite easy to see. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that if you get bitten by this tick that you're going to have the meat allergy. Hmm. Um, not everyone's going to have that, but it appears that folks that have this have been bitten multiple times and the tick seems to have the alpha-gal in its saliva and so the body gets sensitized to that with the bite and then the meat also has the alpha-gal as part of its molecular structure and so when they eat the meat then we have the allergic reaction. Oh my goodness, so do you mind to go over those um, different kinds of meat that people stay away from with alpha-gal? Yeah, it's beef, lamb, pork and venison okay now technically any mammal so you know obviously we don't eat a lot of bison around here but bison and buffalo they're mammals rabbits are mammals if you happen to eat those 
Um, horses, certainly we don't eat those in the United <laughs> States, thankfully, but in some countries they do. But yes, those are, those are the, any mammal. Okay, but they can still eat um, marine, like fish and different things like they that. They can still eat fish, shellfish, chicken, turkey. Actually, a lot of our alpha-gal patients in this area like to try to find emu. Oh, wow. Uh, because it's a bird, but I'm told it tastes like steak. I have never tried it. Okay. Now, what age group do you see alpha-gal typically? It can be seen in children, but it's typically seen in a little bit older children or adults. Okay, so are these people typically outside a lot, camping, maybe doing more activities outside for them to actually get this? You would think so, yes. I mean, there certainly has to be tick exposure, so that's the trigger. But I do think it's important for people to realize that a lot of people are bitten by ticks repeatedly and it doesn't happen to mm. them so we don't know yet why it happens to some people and not others that's an area of active research wow this is so interesting it is an interesting story and let me ask what would you would do for a food allergy alpha gal patient is this something that they would have to avoid all meat? Can they be retested at some point? Yes, uh, they also need to avoid all meat, just like the other food allergies. But in the case of alpha gals, sometimes their levels will come down. It does usually take months or years for that to happen, but sometimes the meat can be reintroduced. Now, interestingly, one of the factors that we think helps the titers come down is if they can avoid being bitten by ticks. Mm. And that's not so easy around here, but of course we know that ticks can carry other diseases too, in addition to sensitizing you to alpha-gal. So some good tick prevention, bug spray, that type of thing is a good idea for people who like to be outside. Oh, 100%. Well, this makes it seem like it's one of those weird allergies. Like it's something that's maybe not as common, or you can correct me if it is. No, it, it, it is very uncommon. It, and we've only known about it since it was about 2009 that a guy at University of Virginia uh, Dr. Thomas Platts Mills described it and he had been seeing patients for a few years that had this unusual history that he didn't understand and then he began to talk to some other doctors and realized they had similar cases Oof. and that's when they described it in 2009 so it really hasn't even been around that long. Wow and it only takes that one tick bite? No usually it's multiple ticks Okay. But we don't know exactly how many. Mm -hmm. We don't know the details of that. Well, but yeah, it's usually multiple ticks. Okay, and it just seems so scary because you mentioned that the symptoms don't even occur until three to seven hours after the fact. Yeah, the, the typical story is someone had steak or, or what have you for dinner and then they you know, wake up in the middle of the night with the symptoms. Oh my goodness, I can't imagine the, the fear of course but there's different ways you said to just for them to avoid completely avoid those meats so it does not happen again right and and most importantly we're gonna get them a good emergency plan make sure they have an EpiPen and Benadryl and they know how and when to use it 
My thoughts are it would be a little difficult for someone to go out to eat because that meat could have been cooked on different grills or different things like that. So I'm sure these people have to be very aware. That's true. That's true for any food allergic patient. And what you're describing is called cross-contamination. Okay. And it is a danger for food allergic patients. Um, And you can talk to your servers. You could talk to the restaurant manager. Sometimes that helps and sometimes it doesn't because there's a, a variable amount of education that the restaurant staff may have. They may not understand that food allergy can be dangerous. They may just think you don't like pecans and you don't want them on your salad. Okay. So that's the challenge. That's the challenge. (laughs) I think, too, it's so amazing that something as great as Teal Pumpkin has kind of been a more awareness in the month of October where so many people feel that they're kind of being seen for their own food allergies. They're kind of not alienated. That's right. And all kids should get to participate in Halloween traditions. And actually, the Teal Pumpkin has spread all over the nation and even outside our nation. So what a great idea. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here today. And we're super excited to have you back on the show. Um, But for now, we're going to go ahead and send you off. So thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Let's Clear the Air. Until next time, I'm your host, Kaylee Francis. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Clear the Air. Please consider following this podcast. And remember, if you want helpful and accurate information about allergies and asthma, our allergy experts are here to clear the air.